Hello, fanatical fam! It is time again for a But Make It Scary feet drop. Um, we're on break, so I figured I would just uh, give you this nice little morsel. Also, I just dropped the Patreon for But Make It Scary, so I thought that this was a good opportunity to share that with you all as well. This episode features uh, Becca and Molly from Pod and Prejudice, one of my favorite podcasts, and it was a ton, a ton, a ton of fun to do. So I hope that in the absence of having us laughing at a fan fiction that's not My Immortal on Potterless, go listen to us on Potterless doing My Immortal, you will enjoy this episode of But Make It Scary. Bye! Hello, I'm Sequoia Simone, and this is But Make It Scary, the show where I convince some funny folks to help me take beloved romantic films and transform them into chilling tales. Last time on But Make It Scary, I was joined by Eric Silver to turn all of Ramona Flowers' evil exes into mythological creatures and ghosts. This time around, I've got some special guests here to take on an absolutely iconic rom-com. But before I grab my guests and make it scary, let's get in some quick announcements. These are big ones. The But Make It Scary Patreon is now live. I'm really, really excited to share this with you. We have three tiers. Our first tier is the Meet Cute tier, and that is going to get you a bonus mini-sode, a creature feature, where I will be taking a childhood character and turning it into a scary monster. We will also get director's cuts of the episodes. I often cut half an hour plus out of these, so you'll get a little bit more of episode in there. And then you will also get access to a private Instagram account where I am talking about uh, scary movies and rom-coms and behind the scenes and all sorts of fun stuff. Then we've got a you like me, you really like me tier, which gets all of those things, as well as a full bonus episode that you will be able to vote on the movie that we do. And then a rom-com vlog. So every rom-com that gets done will get a vlog-style recap by me talking about the rom-com in a little bit more depth. You will also get, when you sign up, a sticker set with all three of our little ghosty friends. And then we have a Happily Ever After tier, which comes with all of those things, as well as an original character named after you in one of my stories, blooper reels, and then stickers of every merch design we'll ever have. If you get in on this experience within the next 15 days, you will also get a shout out 
on the podcast. So join today and you will get a director's cut of this episode as well as a rom-com vlog for Bridget Jones Diary. And next week, I'm starting off the creature features by turning Lala the Teletubby into a horrific monster. I did soft launch this Patreon on social media a couple days ago, so I've got some shoutouts already. A lot of shoutouts already, actually. So to all of my very first patrons, thank you so much, Julia Nieder, Caitlin Clark, Amber Wacker, Ray, Brittany Bailey, Mary Grace Lamonte, Kelsey Plate, Amber O'Donnell, Charlotte, Jeffrey Hutton, Kate, Catherine Liu, Molly Berardi, and Eva. Also, remember to leave a review with your tiny scary story reviews, but make them scary. So shout out also to Party Nick, who says, I laugh at this podcast. Home alone. Someone else chuckles. And now there's nothing left but to make Bridget Jones' diary scary. The time has come to grab my guests so we can get started. They are the co-hosts of Pod and Prejudice. It's Molly and Becca. Hello. Hi. We're so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you two here. You, uh, Pod and Prejudice is one of my favorite podcasts. Oh. So, <laughs> well, let's uh, get to know you two a little bit more. Do you want to tell everybody about your podcast? Sure. Uh, so Molly and I have been friends since college, and I am a big fan of the Jane Austen canon and have been reading them since I was in high school and watching the movies for even longer. And Molly, I had never read any Jane Austen. I don't know how I got away with that through high school and college (laughs) being almost an English minor, but not quite. So I was like, oh, maybe I should read them. And we wanted to start a podcast together. So we just came up with that idea. We had been planning to actually do a Harry Potter podcast. And then we were like, the the one that we want to do has already been done. Actually, they were on your show. We were thinking of doing a drunk Harry Potter podcast. So that already exists. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they were like, oh, okay. You know what? Someone else is doing that. They're doing it well. So I guess it's time to come up with something that maybe doesn't have as many people in the lane. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, so now that we know a little bit more about your podcast, we got to get to know the two of you and your movie preferences better so that we can enter this world uh, knowing a little bit more about you. Let's start with your favorite romantic movie, and we'll start with Becca. Uh, so I said for nostalgia's sake, Notting Hill. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I grew up with that one. It's very near and dear to my heart. But the thing about Notting Hill is that the movie is great. The romance in the movie is not so great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So if we're going off of rom-coms that I think have the best love story, I'm going to go with 10 Things I Hate About You. An excellent choice. Thank you. Thank Great you. <laughs> choice. <laughs> what about you, Molly? So this was really hard because I just, I really generally like most things um, that I watch. So <laughs> I I ended up uh, dividing it into two, which is romance and rom-com. Nice. And so my favorite romance movie would be Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Excellent choice. And my favorite rom-com is The Holiday. Nice. Oh, those are both two of my favorites. They're so good. Great choices. 
<laughs> Excellent. So I have a lot of people on this podcast and I talk about this a lot. I say this like every freaking episode. Most people don't like scary movies is what I found out in the course of doing this <laughs> podcast. But if you had to choose a favorite scary movie, what would you pick, Becca? So we both actually like scary movies. We do. So yes! you have two actual oh. fans. I am not like... I wouldn't call myself a connoisseur of scary movies, but every single one that I watch brings something different to the table. <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if we're going with favorites, I have to say, even though it's, you know, dated and slightly problematic, I gotta go the classic route with Psycho. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very yeah. good. And I don't think there's ever been a scene that has been scarier than the last shot of Psycho. True. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. What about you, Molly? So this was also hard for me because I wanted to say get out, but then I realized that everyone who comes on your podcast says get out. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. So because it was it's the best of like recent years of horror to come out. Um, I'm going to go with one that is one of the only scary movies that I have watched like three times because usually I'm like once is enough. Uh, 1408 with John Cusack. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Okay. Oh, it's great. That movie. So I'm Becca's more into like slasher kind of gore films than I am. I'm very into psychological mm. thrillers, which I think you'll see mm. a little bit of both in what we've done today. But nice. 1408 being trapped in your own mind and, and like when you're the villain like the the protagonist is also the villain and there's a scene that has never left me of John Cusack looking out the window and thinking he sees someone to help him in another window but then he realizes that it's oh I got chills just talking about it. it's just his himself <laughs> like his reflection oh no oh god yeah good uh good picks all <laughs> around nice 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 as we get into this movie, which I've already said, you know, we're we're bringing in the Pride and Prejudice themes here. If you haven't seen Bridget Jones' Diary or you haven't seen it in a while, here is a quick summary. Bridget Jones is 32 years old, single, a habitual smoker, a borderline alcoholic and a general awkward mess. At her mother's annual New Year's turkey curry buffet, she's introduced to Mark Darcy, who right off the bat points out her smoking, drinking, and verbal incontinence within her earshot, after which she is determined to dislike him. After drinking wine and listening to All By Myself, All By Herself, in her apartment, Bridget decides it's time for a change. She gets a diary and vows she's done dating jackasses, and she's especially done with her crush on her skeezy boss. Naturally, she makes this vow just in time for said skeezy boss, Daniel Cleaver, to begin to take an interest in her. After some light workplace harassment involving a short skirt and a horrific bit of public speaking when Bridget introduces Mr. Tits Pervert, I mean... Fitzherbert, at the company's big book launch, Bridget and Daniel hook up to the displeasure of Mark Darcy. When Daniel and Bridget decide to have a mini vacation, they find themselves at the same hotel as Mark and his business partner Natasha. Daniel and Bridget are clearly having a fun weekend, going out and knocking over their boats in the lake, laughing while Mark looks on in envy. The next day is Bridget's family's Tarts and Vickers party. Except Bridget seems to have missed the memo that the theme was thrown out, so she shows up in a sexy bunny costume and looks very out of place. 
A little out of sorts, after the party, she drops by Daniel's place only to find a naked woman in his room. Bridget gets drunk. She listens to Shaka Khan and then decides it's time to turn her life around. Self-improvement montage. She cuts down on the drinking. She goes to the gym. She stops looking for a man and she lands a job in local TV. Despite said self-improvement montage, when Bridget shows up at a dinner party full of couples, they won't stop harping on how she's still single and asking her why so many women in their 30s are single. As this is decidedly not a good time, Bridget leaves, but she's stopped on her way out by Mark Darcy. When she confronts him about how he makes her feel like an idiot, he tells her that he likes her just the way she is. Then, later, when Bridget almost completely misses a story for her TV job, Mark helps her get an exclusive interview. Everything seems to be coming up Mark and Bridget, until Bridget's birthday, when their cute evening making blue soup and omelets turns into an actual street brawl between Mark and Daniel. In the end, Bridget turns down Daniel, and Mark turns down a job in New York, and they make out in the snow on a street corner. Bridget clad only in a sweater and her genuinely tiny knickers. All right, so this movie I actually hadn't seen in a while and I had to refresh. I had to watch it again, uh, take really great notes because we might also be talking about this movie on another podcast. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) Very interesting. (laughs) So I didn't expect it to not age as well as it did not age. <laughs> <If> the- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely one of those movies that has its moments of being really like incredibly funny, but also there's just some moments where you're like, hey, in the Me Too era, we're not so endeared to a boss sending an email about a skirt. Yeah. <laughs> and funny, there are no people of color in the entire movie at all zero zero Mm -hmm. zero all they do is talk about his japanese ex-wife and how that's a cruel race you get that like right off the bat (laughs) in this movie it's in the first like five minutes and i was like oh no oh no oh no oh no you know but on that note i will say that most of those things that are said that are very cringe are coming from the Mrs. Bennett character. And so I could mm. kind of, like, when I was watching it, at first I was like, I did watch it, like, three times in preparation for this because I do like this movie. Um, I was like, <laughs> eh, eh. but then I was like, Mrs. Bennett is supposed to make you feel that way. So yeah. is that was that intentional? Probably not in 2000, whatever this came out. But, like, hmm. As we're talking about this movie, this is in a way, an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice in a lot of ways and not in a lot of other ways. But the idea that you've taken Elizabeth Bennett and made her into this character is, at like, frankly, kind of insulting to me <laughs> at this point in my life. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I would say that Elizabeth Bennett is one of the best written female characters in the literary canon. Mm-hmm. And Bridget is not, but <laughs> I love Bridget for different reasons. Like mm-hmm. her her whole 
persona is a huge mess, but I appreciate mm-hmm. that the movie is not just about her getting a man, even though she says it's about her getting a man. It's really about her g- gaining self-respect yes, in a big yes. way. Yeah. Yes. And I think that in my personal life, I always want to be an Elizabeth Bennet, but often I am definitely a Bridget Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. (laughs) Yeah, so I think that's sort of the extent they pulled the Mr. Darcy, Mr. Wickham plot line and just made that into a whole movie and modernized it. I think that we can be done talking about the movie now because we will possibly, who knows, be talking about the movie in further depth on another podcast. I don't know. Who's to say? Whose podcast might that be? (laughs) Okay, all of that being said about this movie, it's time to rate it. And we are going to rate it on two scales today. Um, We are going to rate it zero to five stars on how much we just like this movie as a movie and zero to five yikes that works that works excellent let's just go ahead and start with molly so on how much i like the movie i gave it a 4.7 okay i just have a blast (laughs) whenever i watch it which has been recently quite a lot for recording this podcast You know, they're obviously, it's a little dated in areas, but I just think it's a fun rom-com. It has all of the elements of a rom-com that I could ask for in a rom-com, so I give it a 4.7. Nice. And how many yikes? I'm kind of starting to rethink this. I gave it a three because I wanted to, like, kind of balance out. I think that in a lot of ways, it is making fun of the things that it is yikesing. So Mm. I gave it a three because of all of the racism... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's immediately an, a reference to Auschwitz. Yeah. The Japanese wife, who she says is a cruel race. Uh, the creepy uncle is gross. Um, when Hugh Grant says, There's nobody here unless that Bosnian family just moved in. And I, I'm like, All right. Yeah. But I think that a lot of this is coming from a place of the bad characters being bad and kind of mm-hmm. letting us in on the fact that they are bad. So mm-hmm. a three for me. How about you, Becca? I I gave this movie a 4.3. We were pretty particular in our ratings. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) It goes high on the list because I think um, some of the greatest dialogue in Mm rom-com stuff, I think like the the jokes that work crackle and they're wonderful. Colin Firth and Renee Zellweger have incredible chemistry and... Uh, I like the character of Bridget a lot. I think she's not Lizzie Bennet, but she is (laughs) an entity all her own that I think, for me at least, is a pretty relatable character. I give it a 3.5 on the yikes scale because, of, Mm. uh, as mentioned by Molly, the racism, the fat phobia is is real in Mm. this movie. Very much an early 2000s relic (laughs) that pescally pops up in Uh all the pop culture we grew up with. I would also mention that the workplace harassment is really intense in this Oofed. movie. Yeah, it's like it did not age very well at all. I didn't give it a four or a five, though, because I would make an argument that this movie is more aware of the rom-com genre's faults than a lot of other rom-coms are. Not as mm-hmm. tropey as some others. Has a bit more of a critique of the obsession with marriage that some rom-coms have. And, uh, mm. you know, the lead character isn't perfect. And I think that 
it's great to let her breathe and have personality, whereas a lot of rom-coms have women at the front of them who are uh, personality-less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to give this movie a four out of five stars. Would Watch Again is very good. Colin Firth is 3.5 of those stars. Thank you. Um, Yes. Yes. And I will give it also a three on the yikes scale. I was I was going to give it a four, but you two kind of talked me down oh, a little wow. bit on the yikes scale. I do think that the yikesy things that happen are happening because bad characters are bad people. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like the workplace harassment stuff and, you know, the just oh Daniel Cleaver's just a terrible person. Yeah. So you're like, eh, Daniel Cleaver's a terrible person. But definitely three yikes uh for the racism and the lack of diversity at all yep. in this film that is a and the queer coding <laughs> yeah. and you know yeah that is a problem <laughs> it's it's yikesy it's yikesy and it's fun and i think it's okay to have some problematic faves oh absolutely absolutely critique with love <laughs> yes and now we are about to critique with fear <laughs> as we get into the scary versions of this movie and before we dive in we are going to tell each other the subgenres in which these movies will fall so you two wrote a scary movie together what subgenre does or subgenres will it fall into it's kind of a blend of two subgenres so we've got witches okay so that's in the mystical mystical category and a little bit of a paranormal demon vibe as well. Okay, nice. Excellent. I'm excited to hear what you've done in that <laughs> realm um, because I would also classify mine as mystical. Okay. Ooh, cool. So okay. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I get the feeling from what you were talking about earlier that we might have done something pretty similar. Oh, but I'm excited. Um, <laughs> Love it. I think this movie lends itself in a, in a certain direction, uh, mm-hmm. but we shall yeah. see. I will say our runner up category to what we we're going to do here was a slasher film, but mm-hmm. we decided against that yes. uh, pretty early. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like every single rom-com can be so easily made into a slasher movie. Yeah. You know what could be made into a slasher movie very easily? The 2005 Pride and Prejudice. Because you literally (laughs) just need to add in different music and a few scenes of people dying and it's a slasher quick. It's the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) That is a scary movie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Great. Well, let's dive into your mystical paranormal movie. How does it start? So the movie starts exactly the same with the turkey curry buffet. And Darcy is rude to Bridget. He's wearing the sweater. She's wearing her carpet. Everything is the same (laughs) there. And then she goes to sing all, well, she goes to listen to All By Myself and drink wine. And this scene is just a little bit different. The music is like a little bit in a minor key. And the camera (laughs) angle is kind of coming from below. So like someone's watching her like from under the couch or like, you know, the camera's in the crevices of the room and it's all a little askew and then title frame and then we move on. Nice. Yes. Uh, and then after the all by myself sequence, we get the scene of her opening her diary and writing out 
what she wants to accomplish this year, lose weight, stop drinking and smoking, uh, find her true love happy ending. And as she's writing this, the diary flashes with a little bit of red ink and we see the title card, which just says Bridget Jones Diary. Moving on. Okay. Bridget is in the office, and this is the skirt discourse that we were talking about before. (laughs) Mm, But when Daniel starts the conversation, it kind of seems like he's continuing a conversation that they had before. And Bridget scrolls on the bottom. You know how in the movie it scrolls and it's like, fuck, or like like her narration (laughs) kind of scrolls on the bottom. This just says, Uh what? She's like, this isn't a conversation that I had, but they go on with their flirtation and she's enjoying it. So we jump to that scene where she's asking her friends what she should do about the skirt discourse. And they're like, planning what she should do and there's that scene where it's a montage of her cleaning and getting ready this time Mm -hmm. she looks in her closet for a dress and she finds a dress that she doesn't remember buying and that's what she's gonna wear very importantly she still wears the giant knickers very important that she's still (laughs) wearing the giant knickers (laughs) so we go to the book launch party and again it looks kind of similar to the original rom-com Bridget is there. She's trying to make a good impression. Uh, Mark Darcy and Natasha are there. Daniel's there. He's flirting with her. And she goes up to give the speech about tits pervert. (laughs) Can I say tits pervert on this? Yes, you can. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. Because I barely remember that his name is Fitzherbert. (laughs) So she's up there and her speech is extremely embarrassing really cringy and she's like don't say tits pervert don't say tits pervert and then the lights start to flicker oh and tits pervert starts to breathe really heavily and his face (laughs) begins to contort in a sort of demonic way and the sound emanates from him that's kind of like a (laughs) and he's like clearly possessed. Oh my god. And then Darcy, Natasha, and Perpetua, her office mate, run over to go help Tits Pervert, and he kind of falls to the floor and goes limp. And there's a few <gasps> seconds of very tense silence before P- Tits Pervert pops up again, demonic, oh and no. reaches out and starts choking Perpetua. <laughs> and her eyes are bugging out of her head and everyone's screaming and Mark Darcy looks over and realizes as all this is happening, Daniel Cleaver (gasps) looks totally nonchalant. (gasps) He's standing there kind of smiling idly and he takes a sort of horrified Bridget by the arm and leads her out of the hall. (gasps) And as he does so, Tits Pervert suddenly returns for a moment of lucidity and is terrified. Oh no. He lets go of Perpetua and then he drops to the floor dead. And <gasps> as he's dying, his skin gets this really grayish tinge. Oh my God. And the paramedics <laughs> say it was a heart attack, but Mark Darcy says that was no heart attack. That was something supernatural. 
yes. that was going on with Kit's pervert. And what does Daniel Cleaver have to do with this? Oh, my mm. God. I love that you have him, like, immediately the Mark Darcy character is like, nope, this is supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in the supernatural. Me, Mark Darcy, immediately. <laughs> yeah, I think that Mark Darcy is, like, a connoisseur and has all of these books. And he's, like, yes. been reading, like, horror fantasy. And he's like, that sounded familiar. Yeah, and I think, like, also, like, there's no mistaking if you saw it up close that that was, like, clearly, like, something that wasn't normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, his eyes rolled back in his head and, you know. But after yeah. that, everything's the same for a while. So nice. <laughs> Bridget and Daniel are kind of going along their merry way. They're dating. Everything's great. Now it's time for the Tarts and Vickers party. So we go to the hotel and we have that scene where she and Daniel are in the boat and on the other boat is Natasha mm-hmm. and Mark Darcy. And Daniel's still fooling around, joking around. He falls in the water and everything seems fine. But then all of a sudden he gets sucked down <gasps> and he starts to drown. And Bridget's freaking out. And of course, because Mark Darcy is a sweet angel boy, he jumps <laughs> in the water to try to save mm-hmm. Daniel. So we're under the water and he's looking for Daniel. He goes deeper and deeper and he sees Daniel down there kind of standing kind of like in the fourth Harry Potter when all of those people are like (laughs) under the water and they're like hair going everywhere and look very peaceful. Daniel's Mm -hmm. down there and he opens his eyes and he looks at Mark Darcy and he gets this serene smile on his face. And Mark is like frozen like what? And then all of a sudden Daniel lunges at Mark and tries to grab him and Mark shoots up out of the water. And he pops up, and then Daniel pops up seconds later, looking like nothing is wrong, like, ha, 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 that was so funny, like, oh, you're just fooling. Very spooky. Very spooky. Then, Daniel leaves. He still doesn't want to go to the Tarts and Vickers party, so that's the same. This time, the Tarts and Vickers party is actually a Tarts and Vickers party. (laughs) Everyone is dressed like Tarts and Vickers. Nice. So Bridget still has that moment where she goes to clear her mind where at the fountain where normally she'd find her dad. But this time she just like goes to the fountain to clear her mind because she's upset that Daniel didn't come and she's annoyed that Mark Darcy is there. And Mm -hmm. she looks at the water and she sees this demonic reflection and she immediately jumps back in horror, turns around and Mark Darcy is there dressed (gasps) like a vicar. So Mark Darcy is now confronting Bridget about Daniel's potential demon-tude. And he basically says to her, hey, something's going on with this guy. I think you should leave him alone. Like, why didn't he come to this Tarts and Vickers party? Is he trying to avoid the Vickers? Mm. And she gets really pissed. And she's like, hey, you insulted me and you didn't want to, like, talk to me at that party, the turkey Mm -hmm. curry buffet party. And now you are acting as though you have a say in who I get to date and like how I get to feel about people. Screw you. Screw yourself. And then she walks away in a huff. And then we get the sequence of Daniel cheating on her all the same. Mm -hmm. Maybe like some suspenseful music as she goes up and finds Lara, the American. Mm -hmm. And we go to the I'm every woman montage. And it is. Uh, the same as it is in the rom-com version. But again, like the beginning, we get that like lower camera angle stalking her as she is, you know, reforming and saying, no more. I'm a career girl now. Right. <laughs> yeah. So Bridget goes to quit her job 
And the argument with Daniel is, again, the same. But when she leaves and, you know, when Perpetua stands up and she's like, I want to hear this because if she gives an inch, then I'm firing her ass, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Perpetua stands up and Daniel gets this look over his face, lunges at Perpetua and starts stapling her face with a stapler. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's like all very sudden. It's very sudden. Very. And Bridget's like, holy shit. And she gets everyone screaming and Bridget gets this look over her face of realization and she runs out. (gasps) And then we cut to the dinner party. In the original, the dinner party is a single shaming extravaganza. Yeah. (laughs) And here, instead, Bridget's not invited. She crashes the dinner party to find Mark Darcy. Oh. And she pulls him aside and she's really freaked out. And she's like, I need to talk to you. You were right. Daniel is clearly possessed by a demon. I am terrified. So Mark comforts her and he's like, no, I'll help you. I'll protect you. We're going to find a way to fight him. (gasps) And cut to a montage of them instead of the court scene, like learning to fight demons, reading all about demons. Yes. (laughs) Training montage. (laughs) Yes. So we're talking about like a flirtatious learning to fight This is still set to I'm Every Woman again. Like, this is also... (laughs) Yes, it's all set to I'm Every Woman. (laughs) Incredible. (laughs) And they're, like, strategizing a moment where they're going to take down Daniel. And it all culminates on Bridget's birthday, the night they are intending to exercise him. Okay. And they're making the blue soup. But this time, the blue soup is a chemical weapon they're going to use in defense of Daniel. (laughs) Yes, uh, yes, bring in the blue soup. It's Thank important. You. <laughs> the blue soup is really one of the most important plot points of Bridget Jones' diary. Yeah. <laughs> to the point where, like, it needs to be in this movie. <laughs> gotta be, gotta yeah. be. Mark still flirtatiously makes Bridget an omelet as, like, fuel for when Daniel's gonna show up as mm-hmm. they lure him there. And uh, they still have, like, a cute little dinner scene together. But no one else is there this time. Her friends are not there. Okay. So Bridget calls Daniel and is like, we need to talk. This is her way of luring him in. He shows up and Mark attacks him with the blue soup. And I don't know if that's a splash in the face or if he feeds it to him, but one way or another... Just spoon fills Just right spoon into, fills his, into mouth. his mouth. And you're gonna eat this down and you're gonna like it! <laughs> Daniel... Like, his demonic side is brought out by the blue soup, and it's truly terrifying. He's, like, clearly possessed. His eyes are white. He's, like, foaming at the mouth. It's terrifying. They fight. It's Raining Men plays. Yes! (laughs) They go out into the streets, and they're they're fighting, but this time it's less of, like, a fist fight and more of, like, Daniel's trying to rip Mark's throat out. And they still go into the Greek restaurant, and Daniel starts, like, killing everyone in there. (gasps) Very importantly, they still stop to sing Happy Birthday. (laughs) And then they crash out the window. Uh, that whole scene should read somewhat like, have you seen the movie Kingsman? Because Molly didn't yes. get this reference. So yes. the scene in the church yes. with Colin Firth, it's like Colin that. <laughs> yes. Colin Firth except, covered in blood. Yeah, except a demon possession. So then uh, the scene ends kind of similarly. Mark punches Daniel in the face and he falls. And this time you start to see the demon leave his body. Oh, 
And he's kind of whimpering on the ground and begging for his life. And Bridget comes over him and she gets this look on her face. She's like horrified watching Daniel die right in front of her. <gasps> and then in as a simpering mess, the demon leaves his body entirely and Daniel dies. <gasps> so Bridget thinks it's all over and she and Darcy, instead of him like running away and her being mad at him, they go up to resume their sweet dinner in her apartment. And they have this kind of sweet <laughs> moment where she's like, you know, I have to go change into my tiny knickers. So yeah, <laughs> she goes into her room and then Mark sees her diary <gasps> open on her desk. And he goes over because he sees his name and he picks it up and he starts to read it. And as Mark is reading this diary... We, as the audience, along with Mark, get a series of flashbacks coupled with moments where he is reading what Bridget wrote in this diary. So there are moments throughout this movie that we are going to flash back to where Bridget had her diary and she is writing in it how badly she wants a boyfriend. We get a flash of her saying, like, you know that line in the movie where she's like, sometimes I just want to staple things to Perpetua's head. And then we get a flashback oh. of Daniel stapling things to Perpetua's head. And then we get like a moment where it flashes to her interacting with Tit's pervert at work. And she goes, "Ugh, he's such a perv. I wish he'd just drop dead. Flashback oh. to him dropping dead at the book launch. Oh. Then we get a montage of her obsessing over Daniel and the narration of things like, he can only love me. I want him to drown in his love for me. He will be my husband. And then we get like a flashback of him drowning in the lake. We get a quote about her hating Mark Darcy. And we see Daniel reach to pull Mark Darcy under. We get the audience at this moment and Mark are both realizing that it's been Bridget possessed by her diary the whole time, a la Chamber of Secrets. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we like a plot twist. <laughs> she has basically been manifesting her desire for a boyfriend or a husband through this diary, the whole book, which has led to her using Daniel as a puppet. He wasn't a demon at all. She was possessing him. So when Daniel realized this, that he was being possessed, he tried to start to break free. And we see flashbacks to him trying to cheat on her with Lara and being kind of terrified. Like we zoom in on his face and he's like, oh, no, Bridget's back. We see the argument and him being clear-minded and then all of a sudden being back to being possessed and stapling Perpetua's head. Mm -hmm. And then we see the fact that her desire for a boyfriend when she realized she lost control of Daniel switched from him <gasps> over to Mark Darcy. No. Yes. He realizes that this whole time he's he's given up seeing his family, his friends, his job in New York. He skipped over Christmas and New Year's because their training montage just blew right past that. And he's just <laughs> been trying to help her. And he realizes that he was not doing this of his own volition. So terrified, Mark drops the diary and bolts out the door. Then Bridget emerges in her tiny knickers and she's very clearly possessed. Her eyes are white. She's breathing heavy. Oh, no. And she sees the diary open on her desk. And she doesn't freak out the way she does in the rom-com version. Instead, the camera pans up. She tilts her head a bit to the side. 
and a slow, creepy smile spreads oh, no. over her face. She then leaves her apartment and she runs after Darcy in her knickers. And this is still set to Ain't No Mountain High Enough. The, the soundtrack is very important. Yeah, the soundtrack <laughs> is the same. Fire. Yeah. She just is sprinting at an inhuman pace and she's chasing Darcy through snowy London. And everyone who sees her screams as they pass because she's clearly possessed. And then she quarters him to that little place right outside the bookstore and suddenly all the pedestrians are frozen and form a wall Mm. where Darcy can't escape. And Mark is tired, terrified, and breathing heavily, but he's trapped. So Bridget approaches him and she says that line that's in the movie. She says, don't worry, Mark. I didn't mean all those things. It's only a diary. And it has to very specifically be said in Renee Zellweger's weird British accent. Yeah, her, her it's terrible diary. It's only a diary. <laughs> it's only a diary. She very slowly, very sweetly kisses him. Oh, no. And as she's kissing him, he goes from being frozen and terrified to slack. <gasps> when she pulls away... His eyes are also white. No. Close up on his face, his head tilts to one side. No. And a slow, creepy smile spreads on his face, <sighs> and we cut to black. What? The only other thing that you need to know about this movie is that the plot line with the parents is still exactly the same and is interspersed throughout everything, exactly as it is. <laughs> oh, damn. That did not have a happy ending. I no, liked it. <laughs> Woo! Oh, that was very good. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, dang. Okay, so, I mean, <sighs> there was no way, I feel, to avoid the Harry Potter comparisons. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. With whatever was going to happen with this movie. Right. That being said, I'll just get into it. <laughs> <laughs> we we have two different alternate ways of writing Bridget Jones' diary and the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who, okay. So this is my mystical take on Bridget Jones' diary. So the first thing to change in this movie is sort of the tone of Bridget's narration bits at the beginning, right? So uh, we we go into the movie, and in the actual movie, she's like, oh, it all began on New Year's Day, on the 32nd year of me being single. <laughs> in my version, we get in, and it's a lot more ominous, right? It all began on New Year's Day, on the 32nd year of my being single. Oh, I already have chills. Yeah. <laughs> and so we get that that tonal shift into all of her narration. And then there aren't any like big material changes until we see Mark for the first time. And as he turns around, we have Bridget saying, at the time I thought, maybe this is the mysterious Mr. Right. <gasps> and then there's a very quick flash forward and we see Mark in Bridget's kitchen. He's distressed. He's disheveled and he's clutching his side where blood is seeping from oh my his God. shirt. And it's just a really quick flash. And then we're back Ooh. and you okay. hear her say, Oh, Mark, the man I'd been waiting my whole life to meet. 
And then there's no changes again for a minute. (laughs) Um, Until Bridget is at home and she's alone and she's singing all by myself. And in the narration, she's like, that's when I decided uh, I need to be not such a major wreck next year and listening to you know, over 30s radio and drinking. And she says, and so I made a major decision. And then we get a brand new scene. Okay. Okay. Bridget is walking through a small cramped bookstore and an elderly woman asks if she's looking for anything. And Bridget asks, do you sell any journals or diaries? And the woman looks her up and down and says, ah, looking to make a new start. Going to make a new you. Oh my God. And and Bridget nods. And so the woman says, Follow me. And she follows the woman into a dark and dusty corner of the shop and is handed a beautiful red leather bound journal. And then you hear her narration I decided to take control of my life and start a diary. What I didn't know was that I would lose the little control I did have. (gasps) So so then we see Bridget. She's writing in her diary. She's vowing to find a nice, sensible boyfriend instead of dating all of this list of types of jerks. And she says she's going to forget about her crush on her obviously sleazy boss, Daniel. And then she wakes up the next morning and she's about to put on a pair of slacks for work. And then she gets a little smirk on her face, a little sassy smirk. And she she pulls out a mini skirt. skirt. (laughs) Yeah, this is like, ooh, Mm -hmm. Ooh, I see a mini skirt in here. And uh, she pulls out her mini skirt and a tight top. And she arrives at work and she kind of puts on a little bit of a show in front of Daniel's all glass office. She's strutting around. She's like bending over to pick something up. And she seems to have forgotten entirely about her vow to forget about her crush on Daniel. Mm -hmm. So Bridget goes out to drinks with her city family, her friends, and they talk about how hot her boss is. And she says, I know I put on this tiny skirt today and put on a little show. And her friends are like, didn't you say that you were not going to shag your boss and she laughs and she's like when did I say that and as they get back to Bridget's apartment um, they're all super drunk and she falls out of the car and her shoe falls off and she looks down and the skin on her foot has lost all of its color (laughs) Ooh. And she puts on her shoe and the skin feels rubbery and cold under her fingers. Okay, she... to be fair, that does happen to me if I've been wearing heels yeah. for like three hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like wearing heels and you're drunk. Like this is, you're probably like, eh, this is bad. This is yeah. fine. This is fine. Um, and she pinches her foot and she can't feel anything. So she stumbles upstairs and she pulls out her journal and she writes in it that she drinks too much and there's something wrong with her foot and she should probably go see a doctor. And the next morning we see Bridget in another little skirt walking past Daniel's office and we get the whole skirt exchange happen there. 
Then her finance friend, Jude, uh, Moaning Myrtle, calls and (laughs) (laughs) we got to get this Chamber of Secrets shit in here. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. I didn't even realize. Well, she's trapped in a bath. I almost one of the things that I wanted to do is that she was just going to be trapped in the bathroom like the whole time. (laughs) It is funny that we see her in the bed. That is so funny. Who? Yeah. (laughs) So her finance friend Jude calls her on the phone and she's crying about her sleazy boyfriend and how he won't go on vacation with her. And um, Bridget's like, you know what? We'll just go out for drinks tonight. And Jude's like, Bridget, do you ever think that maybe we drink too much? And Bridget is like... (laughs) (laughs) And Bridget's like, never. I have never, not even once thought that we drink too much. And so after more drinks with her friends, they and they are encouraging her to shag her boss, she stumbles home drunkenly again. And then Bridget's at home and we see her like super drunk, her head's in the toilet, and um, she vomits up a bunch of blood. <gasps> and then we see her writing in her journal again. And she puts it on her bedside table and turns the lamp off. And as Bridget turns away from the journal in her bed to go to sleep, the camera stays on the journal. A few seconds pass, and then a hand begins to emerge from inside the journal, and we cut to black. Ooh, wait, describe the hand. Describe the hand. It's just a normal, just a normal hand. Oh. Like a normal person's hand. So then the next day, her skeezy boss, Daniel, uh, follows her into an elevator and asks her out, but she's super coy about it. She doesn't have time. We have a book launch coming up. And she goes out with her friends who give her advice on how to treat Daniel at the book launch. So she goes to get to get dressed. She has to look gorgeous. And we see her going to like figure out which knickers to put on. And on her side is this patch of discoloration. <gasps> and it's just like her foot. And we see her sort of poking it and pinching it. And she can't feel anything. And it's cold. And, and rubbery. And so she puts on her granny panties and we see her write in her journal. She should go see a doctor and she shouldn't shag her boss. So at the launch party, she runs into Mark, who she doesn't seem to hate at all. And in fact, she hardly remembers him. And he looks a little hurt by that. Oh, sweet boy. And... <laughs> And after her horrendous introduction to Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Tits Pervert, <laughs> Daniel and Bridget leave the party and you see that Mark is a little bit sad that she left the party with this guy. But he does not seem to know Daniel at all. Okay. They go to dinner and then to Daniel's place and things are getting steamy at Daniel's place. And Daniel takes off Bridget's shoes. He's like, oh, these silly little boots. And he takes off Bridget's shoes um, and he's surprised by how cold her foot is. And he seems like a little disturbed. And she's like, ah, I have bad circulation. And he ignores it. And then he takes off her granny panties and sees the discoloration on her side. And he's like, what is this? This is, are you okay? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and he ignores it too. And then um, Daniel takes Bridget on a mini holiday. And Mark and Natasha are there too. And they go out in the boats. And Daniel tips both of them into the water. 
and Bridget cuts her foot on a rock at the bottom of the lake. Ooh. Ah, that also just sounds painful generally. Yeah. yeah. But she doesn't notice. And they get out of the boats and Daniel notices it. And it's this huge gash on the bottom of her foot and it's not bleeding at all. <laughs> and Bridget's like, nah, it probably just needs a Band-Aid. And they go up to the room. And as Bridget and Daniel are in bed fooling around and giggling, the camera pans to the diary that's sitting on the floor near Bridget's purse. And it begins to open up of its own accord. Oh. So for the next chunk of the movie, the journal is going to be in almost every shot that Bridget is in, right? It'll be okay. in the background or in her purse or wherever, but it is always there with her. So Daniel and Bridget wake up in the morning and Daniel notices another spot of discoloration on Bridget's back. So then he goes away and she goes to the Tarts and Vickers party and her mother says that she called Bridget and told her that the dress code had changed. How had she forgotten? Oh. And Mark is there. And again, Bridget isn't mad at him. She barely knows him. She kind of recognizes him from the book launch. And he seems really nervous to be around her and like makes a face when she says that she's dating oh. Daniel. <gasps> so then Bridget drops in on Daniel and there's a woman there and she they break up. She walks home sadly in her bunny costume. She gets drunk. She listens to Shaka Khan. Um, she sings. I'm every woman into a hairbrush and then she brushes her hair with the hairbrush and a huge chunk of her hair oh. and her scalp comes off her into scalp? the hairbrush. Mm -hmm. <gasps> <laughs> and she is really disturbed and she writes in her diary. She's like, this is probably because I drink too much. So, um, I really need to like change my life. So she starts to, it starts being like that self-improvement montage, except uh -huh. instead of the montage, it's just her writing all of those things into her diary. So the next day she shows up to work and she seems to think that she is still dating Daniel. Oh my God. And she's missing a huge chunk of her hair and her scalp in the back of her head. And people are like, what is going on? There's a huge patch of discoloration on her arm as well. And that woman, Laura, from Daniel's apartment is in his office, like cozying up to him. And she's really confused. And then she goes up into the office to give some reports to Daniel. And she's like, who's that woman? And he's like... That's Laura from yesterday. And she was like, she's like, what's going on with her? And then he is like, listen, uh, you know, we are two people of a certain age who are scared of commitment, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to marry this woman. The douchebag monologue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. um, and she is like really hurt and sad. And so she goes and she just like walks out of work and leaves. At this point, the movie changes a lot because we don't get any of the self-improvement things. Like she doesn't go work at the TV station. She like puts her hair up, the rest of her hair up in a ponytail. So you can't see the like gross like part of her hair that's come out. She's really just like she's putting on long sleeve shirts so you can't see the discoloration and the patches on her skin. And she goes to dinner with the bunch of couples. 
and they're all asking her, why aren't you married? Why does that, why aren't people getting married? Like, why aren't people in their 30s getting married? On a really quick side note, that is the most ridiculous conversation in any movie ever. Oh, my God. Awful. It was so insufferable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Terrible. Um, and that guy, the guy who just kept being like, oh, your time's ticking. Pat my b- Like, what is his belly. problem? Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, stop. W- were people in their 30s like this 20 years ago? Or is this- <laughs> <laughs> Right? I don't know. Um, so they're prodding her. They make her answer the question, why aren't women in, women in their 30s getting married? Which is like just an unreasonable ask. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And Bridget laughs and says, it doesn't help that underneath our clothes, our bodies are covered in scales. Our bodies covered in scales! (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing! (laughs) So Bridget is leaving and Mark follows her and he's like, I'm really glad that you broke up with Daniel. And she's like, I don't really know you. Oh my god. And he's like, you know, I we used to play together when we were kids and we've seen each other a couple times. I saw you're a terrible public speaker and you kind of just say whatever pops into your head and your mom is a lot. But I I like you very much. And Bridget is just like, oh, this is weird. I don't really know what's going on. I don't know this guy. What's happening? And then Natasha shows up and like snaps at him to come visit or to come join them at dinner. So Bridget goes back to her her uh, city family and tells them what Mark said. They're like, wow, that sounds really great. You know, he sounds like a really great guy. Why don't you go out with that guy? And so Bridget is writing in her diary. Next, we see Bridget writing in her diary. She's writing that it's almost her birthday and she's going to be 33 and still single. But, you know, there's a lot of things that are going to be okay about it. Like she's there's this guy who seems to be being really nice to her. She doesn't really know him, but like whatever. (laughs) Um, (laughs) At this point, we're just like pulling out all the stops and like, you know, she has these wonderful friends that are going to come over for dinner for her birthday and she's going to cook her famous meal. She makes this gravy and this soup that everybody loves and she shuts her diary and she puts it on the bed and she goes to sleep. She's like getting all comfy and she kicks the journal on accident, falls on the floor. And then you just see the journal on the floor on the floor. And then she turns out the light. And this time, a whole arm comes out of the journal. And then a whole other arm comes out of the journal. And then a head starts to peek out. And you can see the top of the head. And it's blonde girl. (gasps) And and you see her eyes pop up. And her eyes are completely blank. They're just white. And then cut. Oh. <laughs> um she wakes up in the morning and the the discoloration has spread from her side all the way down her leg to her foot and she's having a really hard time moving 
So she gets out of bed and she kind of has to drag her leg along with her. Like it's not functioning or working. She's like, okay, I'm going to cook this meal. And she gets out all the ingredients and she starts to try to cook, but she can't remember how to make this thing that she makes all the time. And she can't remember. And so she's like, got this stuff all over her. And then Mark comes over and he's like, hey, I just wanted to come over to say hi to you and he's just like very awkward and cute um and (laughs) and she's like yeah come in and who are you again (laughs) um oh my god she forgot again she forgot again and he's like ah i'm you know i'm i'm mark and we used to play together when we were kids and i like you and she's like okay come in (laughs) and she just has him come in and they have like this cute cooking scene and she's like i swear i'm a really good cook i just don't know there's this blue soup and they still have like a cute interaction and then he's like what's wrong with your leg and she's like you know i don't know i don't actually know what's going on it's kind of weird um I should probably go see a doctor, but I just keep forgetting to do that. And then her friends show up and she's like, who the fuck are you people? Get get out of my house. Like, I don't know. I don't know who you are. And they're like, Bridget, we are your best friends. And she's like, I don't know. I don't know who any of you are. I don't know who's going what's going on. And she kicks her friends oh out God. of the house and they're like standing outside and super confused. And she's like talking to Mark and she's like I don't know who you are I don't know who those people are what's happening here and then they hear her voice again coming from the bedroom (laughs) and the voice is saying Mark Mark are you here oh my god And then (laughs) and Mark looks at Bridget and he's like, who else is here? And she's like, no one else is here. And so they uh, they creep quietly towards the bedroom door and they open it up. And there is another Bridget. Oh, my God. Standing in the middle of the room. And she says, Mark, Mark, you came to my birthday and he, Bridget's like, how do you know who this is? Who is that? What is happening? And she slams the door and pushes Mark into the kitchen. And she's like, you know what's happening. You must know what's happening. You've just been uh, in random places and I don't know who you are. And he's like, I don't know what's going on. Why are there two of you? And she says, I don't know. And then they hear the door open to the bedroom. <laughs> and again, they hear Mark, Mark. And so Bridget grabs the knife that they were using to cook and they hide. In the, and it's a tiny apartment, right? There's like nowhere to go, nothing to hide. And then they hear banging on the door again. And it's her friends being like, Bridget, this is not a funny joke. You should let us in now. This is really, really weird. Who is that man? What is going on? And so then other Bridget enters the room and she's like, Mark, you're meant we're meant to be together. Mark, we're meant to be together. See? And this Bridget is another Bridget, clearly, but she's like a lot thinner than Bridget. And she's like, see, I don't drink and I don't smoke. 
And I left Daniel because he's a terrible person. And I'm the Bridget you want. I'm a per- I'm the perfect Bridget, right? Mm. And they're hi- they're hiding under the table. And Bridget's got a knife, and she's like, I don't know who this is. And she keeps coming closer and closer to the table. And then she kneels down so that she's eye to eye with Bridget, and she says, "Didn't you hear me?" I'm the perfect Bridget. (laughs) And Bridget just lashes out and stabs her. And she gets her in the, and she gets other Bridget in the arm and other Bridget starts bleeding ink, just black ink. Very Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I couldn't help it. Um, (laughs) And, um, and then uh, other Bridget stumbles backwards and she says, Mark, do you see what she did to me? Do you see what she did? We have to stop her, Mark. And then Bridget looks at Mark and is like, don't believe her. I don't know who she is. I don't know what she is. And Mark says, I don't know what she is either, but I I don't want to I don't want to be with her. I like you. I like you the way that you are. Just the way you are. And um, other Bridget says, that can't be true. Do you see her? Don't you see her? Look at her. Don't you see her? And then Bridget lashes out again and gets her in the other arm. And now there's just ink all over the floor. And then this other Bridget just starts railing on Bridget about all the things that are wrong with her. She's telling her that she's fat and that she's stupid and that she smokes too much and she drinks too much um and then bridget says i don't care i like me just the way i am yes and other bridget starts to scream and her body starts to disintegrate into i love that yes and all and then before they know it it's she's just a puddle of ink on the floor and Mark and Bridget are sitting, are sitting under the table holding each other. And that's the end. I love that. First of all, (laughs) we love a self-love queen saving the day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. First of all, very in keeping with like the ultimate message of like Bridget Jones diary, which is like, you don't actually have to change to find happiness. (laughs) But, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm-hmm. Second of all, very conjuring vibes. I haven't actually seen the conjuring. I haven't either. I if you like a good demonic possession movie, that one really hits the spot. Every conjuring movie that comes after it is kind of garbage, but the first one is a very solid horror movie. And it does involve like a woman waking up with weird uh splotches on her body. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I I was like this uh, it was so horcruxy Voldemort sucking the life out of somebody to mm-hmm. become your whatever, but I just couldn't help myself. <laughs> yeah. What's interesting is that the diary in the original film, actually, for me anyway, every time I watch it, I'm like, why is this called Bridget Jones' diary? Because she, it's literally in like the beginning and the end and like in between it's not really it doesn't really matter that much Mm -hmm. but it was the thing that we both latched onto as like the scary element because I think that it it makes sense that it is and if they had fully used the diary to its fullest extent in the movie I think that 
would have been better. But yeah, yeah, it was just interesting. Which is like when I was saying before either of us started that this kind of lends itself in a certain direction. Um, Mm -hmm. It is that kind of like creepy diary, um, you know, a person pouring their thoughts and and soul into a thing. And Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that (laughs) I honestly can't separate that from like if it's because I like Harry Potter and that is sort of like already (laughs) in my brain or not. Yeah. (sighs) Also, your story definitely did a better job of establishing why the diary was cursed. Ours, we, <laughs> yes. we were really excited about the, the plot twist at the end. So we were like, yeah. we have to hide the fact that the Listen, cursed diary. Cursed. Yeah. Exactly. Cursed diary, it, we accept it as a thing. Nope. Exactly. Always. Exactly. I feel like... I, I, take, I take from the genre itself, and a lot of horror movies have <laughs> no explanation. That's exactly what I was about to say. No, there doesn't have to be a reason. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, that was very, very fun. This one was super fun to write for sure. And I'm really glad that I had you both on to to take this uh, Pride and Prejudice-esque journey with me. <laughs> yeah, this was very fun. Thank you so yeah. much for inviting this us on. This was absolutely a blast. Thank you. If people want to find you two or your podcast or whatever on the interwebs, where would they do that? So we're just Pod and Prejudice everywhere on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, dot com, uh, <laughs> as in Pod and Prejudice dot com. And um, if you search Pod and Prejudice on any podcatcher, that's where you can hear our voices. Podcatcher? Yeah, yeah. Like I've never where, heard that where you listen before. to podcasts. Podcatcher? It catches your podcasts. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love that. <laughs> Excellent. If you like this podcast, you can find it at But Make It Scary on the social medias at butmakeitscary.com. Um, or you can find me at sequoiasimone.com if you wanted to look at any of the other random things I do on the internet. And remember, love is scary. <laughs> <laughs>